Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Forfeit Metal. Matt here. We got the big John Stud, the Wild Bill. Evening, yep. fellas. Evening. Good evening. Impromptu. Another in, impromptu episode. Just figured we'd, you know, get some stuff even, off our chest. Haven't even heard from Jesse on the on the text chain here. What's going on? No. Dude's living his best life down there in the U.S. He got locked up. That he might have been going for that sixty mark and. He's still in uh, Ocean County's on, finest. He could be, or he could be under the boardwalk. Is he? Is he in Ocean City? Is that, is that the beach choice? Yeah, man. He. I think he's like right across from Brown's Donuts or something. I saw a picture. Okay. Uh, crushing some Brown's Donuts and crushing Natty Natty Ices. Oh yeah, no, I, I didn't know if he was a Natty Ice or Summer Shanty or. What was that one beer he drank? Natter Days. That's a Natter Days. <laughs> enjoy your vacation, my friend. Yes, enjoy, Jesse. All right. We're, you're we here all deserve it. it. You all deserve it. Live your best life, my friend. So, my little minor bombshell drop today. One of our Philadelphia 76ers <laughs> kind of rubbed us the wrong way, huh? Uh, you know, it brings up a couple, uh, some questions and and it also relates to one of the topics we've been meaning to get to here on the podcast. Um, overpaid athletes. Uh, kind of a sore subject in Philadelphia. I don't know about other markets. Don't really care about other markets. But here in Philadelphia, we want to make sure we're getting a bang for our buck. And some of the comments made by one Tobias Harris... I don't know if it was today, yesterday, recent. I'll let's say recent. Mm. He makes mention of the casual 76ers fan. Now, I want to I, I want to get your guys' take on what you think a casual fan is as opposed to different types of fans. Because we have the casual fan. We have the fair weather fan. We have the front. Well, I guess fair weather would be a front runner, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have the diehard you know, bleed red, bleed blue, bleed green, bleed orange kind of fan, which I think in the, in a city like Philly, I think it's safe to say the ratio of the fan base would be more on the diehard side than say some of these smaller markets that choose to show up to game playoff games, you know, mid first quarter, you know, don't get back to their seat till mid third quarter, leave the games early. I think that's a casual sports fan in a casual. Now, here you go. Does a casual sports market make a casual sports fan? 100%. I mean, you live in a place like San Diego. Like, I don't know. I, I, I'm not really, I'm not really stoked to go sit and watch the Padres play. If I live in a place like that. Yeah, I mean, I think there's there are diehards to an extent in every city, but you're right. Like, you go to like Charlotte Bot Hornets. Like, I don't. I mean, yeah, I'm sure there's diehards there, but I feel like the Northeast is its own beast with like sports talk radio and just how much we kind of you know eat, sleep, and defecate sports. <laughs> exactly. Even 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 the women, even the wives and the girlfriends and the women. You know, it's you know they're. Rocking. I call it. it- I call it educate. We educate ourselves. We make yeah. sure we're educated as 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 best we can. You know, of no, course, we're like not game. Yep. 
we we can't be given a you know a handful of baloney and telling an entity you know, and telling us it's prosciutto. It's like listen, this is this is baloney, boys. So I think yeah, that's kind of where. I mean, and there's other pockets, I'm sure, of the country that you know, like big market Chicago and Texas a little bit. But I think you're right. I mean, now I can't, you know, but places like Colorado are they diehard? Maybe, maybe they are. We don't know it, you know. But I think you're right. I think you're right, but I think there's, of course, there's going to be the diehard Colorado Avalanche fan. But Nuggets overall, fans, the championship yeah. Nuggets, you're going to have the diehards. Sure. But then I think there's there's also in some of those cities, Oklahoma City comes to mind. Like, you know, other than the the Thunder, like what else do they have? So, you know, maybe they're not as diehard. They're kind of just like, like oh, they're into their team, like the Memphis Grizzlies. Like they sell out a lot, but like, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of things, but it's it's like, you know, it's what do you got? You got the Titans? Die with the Phillies, you die with the Eagles, you die with the Sixers, and fly, like you kind of just get engulfed into every season. And we and we fall on our sword sometimes too in this city, right? Which I think other fans don't. And so, and, and, and to add to that, just real quick, and I'll let you. Yeah, yeah, no, go ahead. What and this can, can is in your guys' wheelhouse for Jersey fit. Another thing for Northeast, I feel like in Philly and these towns. Is you don't really rock other teams' gear. It's like you rock Phillies gear, Eagles. You know, mm-hmm. you know. It occasionally, you know, you'll see some stuff of guys like you know, a logo, whatever. But I feel like ninety percent of the gear people wear is the sports towns teams. Like for maybe maybe not that high. I think it might be overestimating it. But yeah, I think in in Jersey, at least New York and Philadelphia or Pennsylvania, I would agree. You probably see in those in that tri-state a lot of Yankees, a lot of Giants, a lot of Eagles, a lot of um, Pittsburgh, a lot of Eagle. You know, like obviously our four 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 uh, sports, but yeah, you don't see a lot of you know Colorado Rockies gear. You know, yeah, no, no. I mean, I will say, you know, because of my childhood love for Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls, I've kind of carried that through. To this day, I still rock bulls hats and, you know, uh, but nine times out of 10, you'll see me with a, a Philadelphia sports team hat on, you know, um, there's not many other sports teams that I, you know, ca- will casually rock. But the point I'm trying to get to here is there's many different fans and, you know, before you start making accusations like, like. Toby did, unfortunately, I think, you know, we, we sometimes wonder if these athletes at sometimes get really just get lost and just forget who their, who their, who their audience is <laughs> and who their, you know, who they're, who they're really, uh, talking to. I mean, again, we don't really know the context of, of how the quote came about and what have you, but you know, something like the casual fan would trade me for a cookie. It's like, you know, we, we spoke about this before we hit record. It's like, I'd like to know what a $39 million cookie tastes like. I also think that there's also some gasoline being put on the fire here between his, his father made comments in the last couple of days as well. I know that kind of amplifies shit, but then like the media just jumps on it and says like, okay, where's Tobias Harris? Let's find him at, cause he was interviewed at like some sporting event. I don't know where he was, but, May even be like a WNBA game or something, and 
he he commented about exactly what you're saying, Matt. And I'm like, so your dad said something, and now the media is kind of saying like, okay, well, what's your side of it? And they're they're attacking, not attacking him, but trying to find him. So it basically the media kind of stirs it up too, and and, and trying to tries to get a reaction out of people as well. Yeah, I mean it's yeah the the, the way we've gone gotten to in society is we need constant forget every day we need almost like every hour something to click on and they just they just try to not only say they try to create but like they just you know are in everybody's face to where like like everything is a news story it's like all right you know we get it it's probably insulting to a guy if you're an nba athlete you have a big ego but like i said before we recorded you make a hundred million dollars what do you care these guys care because they already got their money and now it's just, you know, they've been rich for so long. Oh, my pride's affected. And it's like, okay, I, I mean, we're all human. It's nobody wants to hear, you know, you've been you know, offered for trades for two, three years in a row. But the reality is, is you're still here and you get paid a lot of money every game to play basketball. So, I mean, yep. it's part of the business. Yep. So, I mean, it bought you that, real, you know, that Range Rover, Mercedes, whatever you have, has your house in Medford and your house all over, multiple so I don't really want to hear you boo-hoo in that fans are mad that you've been on the team. This is what you said his fifth year on the Sixers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He came years. here 18, 19 season. So, so he just finished his fifth year. Yeah. So every year you've been here, you lost in the second round of the playoffs and up. I think every year you've been our highest paid player. Um, I, I, I don't know if he makes more than Joel because Joel took a pretty team. I know Joel now I think makes more, but You've been our highest paid player and you don't play like it. So nope. I don't really need to hear that anything. Yeah. You know, I like you, Toby, but also know your audience. Yeah. You know, thank like you. The Sixers, the Sixers fan, like the, the Philly sports fan, let's not even just pigeonhole the Sixers. Let's talk about the Philly sports fan in general. You know that they're going to eat this up and, you know, just amplify it even more. And that's why I don't understand a guy like we talked about earlier before we got on, like, a guy who's got a max deal, you know, is not in his prime, I think, anymore. Just kind of enjoy yourself. And if you get traded, you get traded. Like, who cares? You still get $100 million. Like, but, you know, who am I? I don't know. Toby's a really good role player that gets played like a number, paid like a number one or number two. And that's the problem. It's like, Toby was making $15 million, $20 million a year. Like, we would be less, but when you take up like twenty percent of our salary cap, yeah, like come on, dude, like, and you score two points in Game Six of this past series yeah. to blow it against yeah. our arch nemesis, and he was what like the series win field or something. He was like because that was the game he missed two fast break layups in the first half. I mean, they were contested, but it's like, dude, you're six nine, dunk the ball. Like, what is yep. this layup bullshit? Like, yep, I uh, yeah, no, I mean, I much and like you said, Bill, he's. It's it, he he's great in flashes. Like yeah. when he's when he's on, he, he's on. He's great. But you know, for that for that kind of money, man, you need to be. I mean, he made more. Need to be way more consist, consistent. Consistent. James James made thirty five million. I'm not crying. I'm crying the blues for these guys. But he made more money than James. Did you lead the league in assists, rebounds, or scoring or anything? No. So be happy you got a really good contract from the team and a shitty one for us to win. Like, and, and don't make it seem like you're also like something that you're not like, that's what I, that's the other part of it. Like 
you're not a superstar because you don't play that. Like you're decent. You're not a superstar. You're not even, you're not even holding Jimmy Butler's jock at this point. You know what I mean? Like, so why kind of, you know, kind of flex that way. And I, I I just want to read a quote from his father that happened this week per his dad. Tobias is an assassin scorer. I mean, they can't stop him. Nobody in the league can stop him. So he's proven that over his career, even when he was with the Clippers, he was an assassin scorer. Ever since then, the Sixers, they put him in the corner. It's from his dad. Well, and I think his dad's going to be one of the first people to go to his defense. And And it's his agent as well. Yeah. Fine. But no one can guard him. Yeah, like that's where I mean, like, like that's where, like, if you were like, "Hey, Toby's a top end scorer," okay, I'll give you that. Like, as the ability, or like, but you're right, John. When you go to like a sat, like an assassin, and no, an assassin's like Kevin Durant, like Devin Booker, like yeah. those are guys. Like Toby is a really good player that can, you know, give you thirty in a game here and there. But that's fine. You don't have to give us thirty every game, Toby. But you got to give us at least fifteen. Like, yeah, you can't like give us two. To your point, Bill, an assassin is like every time that person touches the ball, you're like, damn, uh oh, like it's probably going in, you know, Toby's, I I don't think anyone gets that feeling when Toby has the ball in his hands. No, like, you know, he's entering that realm when he, you almost, I mean, I think the, the, I think James, James Harden used to give me that feeling. He hasn't, he hasn't. He hasn't in recent years, especially not since he's been with the Sixers, but I think the closest person who's gave given me that feeling is Joel. I mean, you know, I think when Joel is is on, there's you know, he can put together some games where, you know, you you feel like the game is within reach. You know, I mean I still wouldn't call him call him an assassin. Um, I would call him dominant when he's on the floor, but not not an assassin. I don't even know if he's dominant. He's 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 on the ground too much to be an assassin. He he's he's serviceable. He is a he's a third option at best on this team without one of those without Ma- I would say he's third above Maxi, but Maxi's like right there. I I, I think Maxi can I, reach that Maxie's level. Maxie's our third right now, and that's why I think Toby's pissed about it. He's our fourth, yeah. only above PJ because PJ doesn't shoot the ball anymore. But, I mean, some games Toby might get schemed for a little bit more. But, I mean, I will say Toby does play pretty good defense. Like, he does. He's a very good player. So, I, I, I don't feel good, like, bashing the guy because he is a good player. It's just he never lived up to the contract. That's just, mm. that's just the facts. So why are you bitching when you've been overpaid for five years? Like, it's you know, it's cash your checks, bro. Cash your checks. I, I just wish athletes would be like, you know what? You know, this is Philly. Fans are going to kind of say what they want to say. But, you know, I try to give everything I can and yeah. eat a little bit of humble pie. If we're going to talk about treats, maybe a little humble pie and not, you know, make jokes about, I don't want to know what the fuck a crumble cookie is. <laughs> No, I mean, you know, but that's like I said earlier. I mean, Toby has made probably over $250 million in his career playing basketball, I bet. So it's like when you got that kind of money, it's just like 
screw it. I'm going to say whatever I want to say. Like, I'm going to, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm already rich beyond people's wildest dreams. Like, what, what do I got to lose? Like, you know, yeah, they're going to trade me again. Screw it then, you know? So it's, but again, you're right. It's like, have some tact to be, you know, show some class, like, you know, as much as you don't care about the fans, we do make it possible for you to have that lifestyle. Sure. So, but and we, speaking of speaking of undervalued, it sounds like Toby thinks that he's being undervalued. Hundred percent as a player. Yeah, I, right? I feel like in his eyes, he probably thinks he should be the number two option behind Joel. Like I think it should be. He thinks it should be. I think I remember. I I, I could be wrong. I don't want to misspeak. And you know, we could get fact checked. But I thought I remember hearing him say last year at some point that he wanted to run more pick and rolls with Joel like during the game instead of always being James and Tyrese. And it's like, well, you I can't can kind of see by, that. You can't get by a, a small forward guarding you, and you're too soft to get through a power forward. So, like, he's kind of a tweener. Because, like, that's the issue with the Sixers. Like, they want him to be small forward, but it's like he can't hang with the Tatums and the Browns of the world. And he can't bang with the big boy. Like, he's like, the, you know, so it's, yeah, it's, it's fortunate. It's, it's unfortunate that Toby's taking this road if this is coming from him. Because it's like, dude. We've had your back for the most part. We think you're a decent dude, but you just yeah. don't when we need you to. And for nope. $4 million, you probably got to do that. I get like, I get like Iguodala vibes for him, but not athletic. Like not as athletic as Andre Iguodala. And that's what I get from him. Like he's that kind of player. Yeah, like he can never lead a team. Like, yeah, yeah exactly. I, I think maybe when he was only, I think he turns 30 this year, 31. Maybe, you know, maybe he could still technically be the number two option on like a Pacers or a Thunder or something and get you 22 a game. And it's like, oh, he's an all-star. He's 30 like, years old now. Yeah, so he's 30. So that's still your prime. Like your prime in the NBA is like 25 to like 32, 33. Like if you take care of your body a little longer, James decided not to. They'll mean to jump to, jump to subjects. No, but like Toby, Toby could be the number two guy on like – a building team, but on a, on a winning like fifty win team, he's a number three at best, at best a number three, and that's what he is here most nights. And, and, and doesn't the NBA kind of like uh, um, tell you your value with like 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 when he gets traded to us, like he wasn't he wasn't super, he didn't get a lot in return. Yeah, we give up Shamit. And somebody else in a pick, I think, for him. Right. And if we trade him now, like, it's not like we're getting a superstar back. Like, if he was that, like, you use James Harden, for example. Like, you could use James Harden as a a draft, uh, higher draft capital in return, whereas Tobias Harris is going to get you, like, maybe a pick and a bench player. You know, if that. Or a guy only, like, I mean, I think the best, I don't think it's going to happen at all, but, like, potentially like a Tobias, maybe like a Zach Levine where the Bulls want to get rid of that contract. So they'll eat Tobias is for one year. You know what I mean? To free up. Like that's the game the NBA plays. It's like, so I think there is value and I think probably Toby gets traded, but it's also fair to see what Nick nurse wants. Cause he might like Toby. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't hold my breath on that because, um, but you know, I definitely think Paul Reed's a Nick Nurse guy. I think J- Jaden McDaniels is a Paul is a Nick Nurse. Like he likes guys that are like Nick Nurse's thing. And I, I'm correct me if I'm wrong, listeners. Is he kind of like guys that are like positionless? Like you can play the two, the three, the four. Those guys are scary because 
they're a jack of all trades but master of none. So it's like, all right, this guy's a pretty good rebounder, but not a great rebounder. He's an okay shooter, but not a great shooter. So it's like, you know, mm-hmm. the Raptors, they won it that year because they had Kyle Lowry and Kawhi Leonard. I mean, those were their two best players. You know, it wasn't Pial Siakam and, and OG Ananobi that were there on the team. I mean, they, were, they might have been there. I don't know. I don't know how long they've been in the league. But they won because they had two bona fide stars. I mean, Kyle Lowry was a star then. And Kawhi was arguably the best player in basketball that, you know, that time period. So I guess the case remains to be seen is uh, does Nick Nurse undervalue Toby, I guess, to lead in the title? Yeah. Or Daryl Morey at this point. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, Morey didn't pay him. Morey inherited him. You know, that's why I kind of thought Doc was always on thin ice because that wasn't Maury's guy. He got hired before Maury started. So, yeah, you, you make comments like that, though. I feel like you're kind of one foot's already out the door. In my opinion, there's there's some bit of frustration, obviously, brewing right. there. Yeah. yeah yes, if that's absolutely. the case, kind of like pooper get off the pot, right? Like, yeah, trade me. Yeah. You know, you don't you paid me all this money. You don't want to use me. OK. Send me to send me to Utah if 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 you think that that's you know the best thing for me, and then I'll show everyone. Welcome to Oklahoma City, Toby. Yeah, yeah give me. Uh, that's the thing. Like, what are you going to get for him, though? Like, I don't. You know, it, it's not like you. you no, you're, then, like, you're like, gonna, know, like you're going to get maybe a good role player and and like a shitty pick. Yeah, Which is fine. I mean, to get that salary off the books, if that means we can sign somebody else or. You know, because apparently that's why, like, the Harden thing's fascinating. And, again, it goes back to Joel Embiid. You know, it's if for some reason James were to walk or whatever, um, and that's why we don't want to pay him a max deal because next year apparently we have a lot of salary off the books. And that's the year that we could really go after. Because even if James leaves, the way the league said, like, the league, whatever the CBA is, we don't get that money we would have paid James because it's like, I forget why, but basically if you leave, we're screwed. We have no money to spend on guys. So it's like James or bust for this year, or do you let him walk and say we're screwed on money? And then next year we have a ton of money to spend, but now you waste another year of Joel Embiid. So, so there's a, I keep going back to this post I saw via NBA trade alerts and Sixers mania. Um, I, and it's it's interesting, and it's it's a best case scenario. It's not the greatest case scenario, but after I got done going through it, I was like, hmm, this I, I kind of would not mind like rolling the dice with this situation. Uh, so the their roster retool would be to um, in in a mock trade in a perfect world would be to trade Tobias Harris back to the Clippers. We would get Eric Gordon, welcome back, Robert Covington, and Amir Coffee. We would extend both Maxi for four years at 140 mil, re-sign James for his four mil hundred or a four-year 185 mil, and then re-sign McDaniels for a three-year 18 mil and your beloved Paul Reed for three years at 12 mil. And then also sign Seth Curry for two years, 10 mil and wave Corky. So the roster would then look like 
me see if I can find it in the, they had the full roster here. So you would have, it would end up with James Harden, Tyrese Maxey, D'Anthony Melton, Seth Curry, Jaden Springer, Mac McClung on the two on a two way from the G league with Eric Gordon, Amir coffee, PJ Tucker, Robert Covington, Jalen McDaniels, Daniel house, jr. Uh, Joel and B Paul Reed, Montrell's Harrell and Sudoku. That guy. I can't <laughs> pronounce his last name. I mean, I mean, that would be, it's interesting. Roster. It's PJ. We, we saw PJ, I guess. He's yes. PJ. We gave, we gave, we gave him a big deal. Yeah, I mean, I like. I mean, I love would love Seth Curry back off the bench. Like he's kind of what this team needs—a guy come in hit a couple threes and get off this, you know. So yeah, I mean, that would be. I mean, who knows? Maybe Daryl has something close to that in the works. But you well, know, he can get close to something like that. I don't know. If yeah. you trade, if you trade Tobias, and you also sign and trade James, if you can sign and trade James, do you have a lot more money to spend? Or no, do we still not have them? How does it work in the NBA cap-wise? Well, you have to trade, like, the same salaries, basically, like, the same salary amount. So, like, you can't just trade Toby for a guy that makes $10 million in picks. Like, you got to put whatever Toby makes, you have to match in salary. Okay. So that's how the NBA does it. So it's like, that's why it's kind of limited. You know, I guess with Toby, you would maybe get two or three probably two or at least two role players who make a decent amount. And then I think, I think they do count the draft picks like money, depending on like the pick is like, okay, first round pick, you would make 2 million. Like, so I mean, there's that machine that the mock deal or the uh, trade, you know, trade tracker thing on that, that does that, that like you got to match up salary for it to get accepted. Um, does it go from yearly though? Cause I wonder well, yeah, total not, contract. Yeah, not like your overall contract. It's like, what do you make this year? Thirty million. Okay, then you got to get thirty million dollars back in other players. It could God. be one player. It could be five players to get to the thirty million. But you have to. I think it come within either the exact amount or like pretty damn close to like what you're sending out to be able to a, tra- a trade to get like approved. Hmm. So totally making thirty eight. You know that really let's see shrinks the market, but it's like. If you're another team, yes, for one year only, maybe you do because we have to throw in somebody else in the deal. But Toby paying Toby thirty million dollars, it's like, oh, how do you stomach that? If you're any, like, if you're a team, like, how do you feel the fucking Grizzlies or the Pacers? It's like, oh, we want Tobias Tyrus, take Buddy Heald and you know Miles Turner, and <laughs> you know, yeah. So Tobias like, Harris makes thirty six million dollars. So the the some of the guys around and below him. Michael Porter Jr., obviously not available. Shy Gilgis Alexander, I'd love to have him. Ben Simmons making 35. James Harden making 34. Pascal Siakam, 34. Drew Holiday, 33. CJ McCollum, 33. So it really makes you wonder, like, if if it had possibility, like, someone like a CJ McCollum. Someone, you know, someone like a, like a Jordan Poole, you know? a young player making that kind of money. Like I would love a Jordan pool in this team. Absolutely. I, I like his talent, but he's not really like, I mean, I guess I wouldn't be against any who knows, but from, from what I read, he's like, I'm not a good locker room guy. He's the kind of guy that he's like, you know, maybe old school James where it's like, Oh, I scored 28. I got mine. What if we didn't win, we didn't win. I got my 28 tonight. Right. Yeah. That's kind of what I've heard about him in the league. 
And but again, I, I know you're saying like like a player like that 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 could be a real like Brandon Ingram, Jordan Poole, and then like McCollum. That's really it. Yeah, like Zach Levine, maybe. Uh, what does Zach Levine make? I'm looking. He makes a lot. He has like a four year, 178 million dollar deal. He makes probably over 40. 43. He's at 43 million. Yeah, he got maxed it out. So that's that. That's why it's just like. So you'd have to trade like. Tobias and PJ Tucker. Or like Tobias and Corky and something. He makes four or five million, I think. Corky had Well, that's no problem because Corky demanded a trade. He's gone. You can just get rid of him. That's fine. Yeah, Nick Nurse don't want that on his team. Yeah. No. And the player I'm most excited about is is Jaden Springer, because I keep reading about how he could be a Marcus Smart on defense and he's better off on offense. Like I I've watched some of his highlights and this kid this kid's a bulldog. I mean, this kid plays hard. And he's not a great three-point shooter yet, but he kind of reminds me of, like, Marcus Smart and Kyle Lowry put together. He has a little offensive game like Kyle Lowry, that little pit bull, like, but he plays Marcus Smart, like, just smart and athletic on defense. Like, I think I think this kid could be real good, like, if, and especially on a guy like Nick Nurse, if he can develop him. And I, and I think that's the other thing, too, is why they don't want to, get crazy with James, hopefully, because this could easily be a Maxine Springer backcourt for a lot of years. Like that could be what we're going to roll out there. So it's, you know, it's, yeah, this next couple of days or a couple of weeks is going to be really fun to see how this shakes out for the Sixers. Uh, I think it's either going to be really fun or really frustrating. Yeah. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be more of the same, which is going to be frustrating. I mean, I, I can't see them. And that's all we can do, really. We have no money to do anything. Well, I mean, I think if I don't know if that's the case, Bill. I mean, I think you can be creative, right? You can sit there and look at the roster and go, okay, well, if we're going to just put all of our money or all of our chips on the table for James Harden, you're basically putting the same team back out on the court, and and then you're expecting a different result, as we talked about in nausea with Nick Nurse compared to Doc Rivers or whoever coach. So, so what have you, what, what do you change? I think if you do it, you blow it up. Like, and I'm not saying like trade everyone, but trade Tobias, trade, get rid of James and go in a different direction. Really start to build up the young guys, have Maxi start making a bigger role. And maybe, maybe it is like, maybe it's like, you know, Hey, Tobias, we're going to get rid of James Harden, but you're going to play a bigger role. Like, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like you got to make, if, if James Harden you gotta shake it up at 100%, I couldn't thank you. That's, that's exactly what I'm trying to say. You got to, I mean, it, otherwise it's more the same, right? You might as well yep. have Ben Simmons back here. I think, I think what Maury's selling and then, and we'll see this another day, Josh Harris, I think what he's selling him is, you know, we were one, I've heard, I've heard this put out there by other media people. That the, that the Sixers were one Jason Tatum going off in the fourth quarter in game six away from being in the conference finals. So I think they're going to hold their hat and say, man, we were right there, but game six, Tatum put up like 20 in the fourth quarter on us, and that gave them the win. Like, yeah. you know, I, I feel like that's where they're at. Is like they're not ready to. Yeah, but teams uh, ready don't allow that to happen. Like, no, they just I, don't I, I, allow that to happen. I'm not defending that, uh, you know, excuse. But something tells me that that's like they're thinking like we were right there again, game seven against Boston. Like we had, yeah. a, we were winning in the first quarter, and then we you know, like 
So they're gonna try to sell everybody that like, hey, we were right there, just a few bad breaks, and you know, and then we lost by thirty in game seven. But that's okay, it happens. You know, and then you, and then you turn around though, Bill, and you watch the Heat, and you're like, okay, well, they didn't get it done either, but they were the next team to beat, and they did it with undrafted guys, yep. and and Jimmy Butler and having no know, center because Bam's not. I mean, he plays center, but the guy's six nine, and he's trying to guard the Joker. I mean, come on now. Yeah. And then, and then you even go further. You go, okay. You get to the finals, and were you gonna? Are you, are you deep enough? Better than better than the Nuggets? Like we talked no. about eight guys that they use, and really that comes down to really in the playoffs. You don't you don't use twelve guys. You very rarely use eight, nine. You know, it's it's yeah. usually your you, it's three guys off the bench, four guys off the bench, and your starters, and that's it. You know, it's it's very rare that you, you know, you get the. Uh, the teams they use that many players. So I, I I don't know. I would love to see, I'd love to see some, some, some real action rather than the same old, same old, because I think the fans are getting a little tired of it. Um, I think they're, they're already have James Harden fatigue. I think fans already have the Joel Embiid fatigue. Um, so what, what's next? You gotta, you gotta, I hate to bring, I hate to say it, but you have to Harry Roseman this, this off season a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, I think when James got here, fans were already, you know, almost at that point, and they yeah, were like, no, "All right, I'm, I'm willing to give this one one more season with James," and and then you know, and then it didn't work. So they were cl- they were quick to be out on this team. A bunch mm-hmm. of idiots bought his jersey like a bunch of more. Ah, yeah, who does that? Boots. Who does that? Who does that? Somebody who's D-U-M dumb does that. I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, hey, you never, you, you never know. He could turn it around, right? No, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I don't think he's ever going to be the, the James Harden, you know, 30. But, I mean, we saw in the playoffs. He had two games with over 40 points. Like, that's not an easy thing to do in the playoffs. Nope. You know, I, I don't even know if Joel's ever done that in his career once. I don't know. Maybe he did. I don't know. But I know James did it twice against – Arguably the best team in the East on yep. paper who just kind of lost their focus on the road too. at least yeah. one, one of the times, right? I, I think, think in one- a game winning three in two of those games. I mean, in game one, the game winning three and in game four, the game winning three. So he had clutch shots. He won you two games Like you can't, it's not, it's not James's fault. It's just, he kind of no. fell in that category. Great. You had two great games. What did you do? The other five really almost nothing. Yeah. So it's like, great, you want to be paid $50 million like you're a max player, but you show up for half the series. How's that work? Because you know, you're in <laughs> Vegas and you don't have your legs and you're out of shape. And you're, you know, that's one thing I kind of neglected for a lot of years or just kind of like accepting like the uh, importance. It's like NBA, if you're 10, 15 pounds overweight, you might as well be 100 pounds overweight. Like, like this is the best of the best. Like you got to be fucking everything in. And it's like, yeah, he's not fat, obviously. But for an NBA player, he's not, you know, he's, he, you know, he's not in super shape. No, like, he's also not a spring chicken. So he's going up against guys in their young 20s. Yeah, on the, on exactly. It's like, know your competition. It's like, when you know you have to get past Giannis and Jason Tatum and Jimmy Butler, I don't know, maybe, maybe you put in some work in your dietary habits throughout the year and then not go to Vegas between playoff series. Mm-hmm. Maybe on the treadmill a few more days and, you yeah. know. 
And it's like, nah, nah, baby. I, I just show up and ball. It's like, all right, well, what's that one you? Went to like- who knows? He could be eating spinach salads out there in Vegas. That's that's the great point, Bill. What has it done for you in your entire career? Yeah. I mean, we forget that he was part of probably one of the on paper, not even even on paper, one of the best teams ever drafted, right? James Harden, Kevin Durant, Westbrook, like uh, who's the other, who's the top? Sergi Baca. Like mm-hmm. that was a crazy good team drafted. You know, look at those guys now. Like, you know, you say what you will about Russell Westbrook, but you know, Kevin Durant and at least, you know, I'll give James his props, but you know, every place that you've gone, you've, you've failed. Yeah. He was more of a role guy on that team. Yeah. Originally. He right. came off the bench. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that team was stacked. They just ran into the Warriors and and the Heat, LeBron Heat, right? Yeah, it was it was Heat, it was Heat, and um, and then the Warriors kept knocking them out was in the, the conference finals. And then they blew it up. Was. And then they blew it up. Yeah. Yeah. Nuts. But, yeah. Uh, any other thoughts on um, over overpaid, undervalued athletes uh, uh, besides uh, Tobias Harris? Anyone on the anyone any, in particular on the Phillies? Anyone wants to mention? I've done it in nauseam. You know my feelings on on Harper. I'm not even going to say it. Good luck. It's, not just, it's not just Harper. Can't anymore. wait to watch him blow it at first, first base. What a dumb idea that is. Idiot. Time will tell. Yeah. Like, like we keep saying, baseball at this point in the year, it's like it's nice to have on in the background, but it's you know, once that wild card race comes around and it starts getting to the nitty gritty, that's when it gets real interesting yeah, for me personally. Three hundred million dollars whatever our payroll is, and we're like ten, eleven games behind the Braves or whatever. That we're, that we're not going to catch a team like that unless they just go and who F- just rocked us. Yeah, they, you know they they took two games and you know thank God we didn't play them three because we would have lost the third probably. And then you know the Mets almost had us until the Mets did the Mets on Sunday and we kind of came back in that game. But I mean this team's going to hang around and be in the wild card chase. But it's like getting the wild card great. That means you have you know you have. Three, you know, you got to win it. I don't know. It's just a shame that you know this this year again is going to come down to the wild card, and we got to play a game in to make the playoffs, basically. But you know what? As a fan, I feel undervalued. How's that? Hmm. Perfectly acceptable. I feel undervalued sometimes. I was going to bring up uh, Darius Slay, but after I looked at his contract, um, or his value. He's like number, according to Sport Track, he's like number eleven on the list for corners. So I'm like kind of okay with it. So could whatever. could could Brian Westbrook arguably be sort of like an undervalued athlete in Eagles? He's yeah. I mean, I mean, I have his jersey. I was a big B West guy, but like when you think Eagles and you think especially now since we won the Super Bowl. I mean, that's the team you instantly think of first. But mm-hmm. when you think of all those other teams, you think 
Dawkins first. You think McNabb first. You think T.O. first. You think uh, 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 even John, you know, John Runyon could be arguably, you know, you don't, you don't really think of B West. It's like, yeah, I think the ax man, you think, you know, uh, it's like, he doesn't get his flowers. I think you're right, Matt. He doesn't get his flowers as much because he was super, he was undervalued probably in the draft, you know, like in today's world of, of top NFL or excuse me, NCAA college, um, running backs. He was kind of under the radar at Villanova, right? Local boy. Um, you know, someone who's probably undervalued doesn't get a lot of love. Brent Selleck. Yeah. You know, he was, uh, he was here. He was like the last of the long tenured Eagles. Um, he was able to kind of like go out on top with the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, that Super Bowl team, you don't think of Brent Selleck and all the years, blood, sweat, and tears he put into, you know, his loyalty to the team, getting it to where it needed to be. You'd think Zach Ertz first, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, I'm sure we can think of numerous undervalued um, athletes, not just in Philly, but in sports overall. I think, uh, I mean, I've said it time and time again. I think guys like Chris Mullen and John Stockton, Mm. those guys are like, it's a lost art in basketball. And I think, I think it's a, I think it's a crime that Chris Mullen didn't make the, the top seven, the, the all 75 team. Mm, um, mm-hmm. It's just, you know, guys like that, what they brought to the game, especially in the era that they played. I think it's, uh, I mean, I think Stockton gets, you know, gets his, you know, he was, I mean, they're both on the dream team. Yeah. I don't, I don't get why Mullen, I don't know who he pissed off, <laughs> but he pissed someone off. Do do you also think that like looking back and and how Philly sports is especially with their quarterbacks, you know everyone thinks of Randall and McNabb, um, and now Jalen and and Vic for a little bit. Like, do you think Nick Foles really gets 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 undervalued as well? Yeah, I think so. I think you know, you're right, John. If if that if that statue isn't there, does do people? Do people not give him his flowers? And you know how I am with him, so it's mm-hmm. you know I'm biased to it. But you know I think that's part of the reason why you know we, we've all been we've always been looking for that that quarterback, right? Ever since McNabb, we've been looking for that guy, and we thought we had it in Wentz, and that didn't work out. But now we have it in Jalen, and that's exciting. Yeah. Um, but Nick was kind of like the guy that was like that lightning in a that lightning in a bottle, man. Yeah, let me go do this, and then I'm humble about it. And you know, he's it's it's kind of interesting to think about it that way. Like I think about like 25 years from now, is he going to be a forgotten eagle? You know, what talk I mean? about knowing your role. I mean, and accepting it, and ex- and being okay with it. Yeah, yeah, it it yeah. I mean, Nick Foles, we salute you. We do. It's Shout Bill dead. Out. It's Bill dead. It, this has now become a two-fit episode. <laughs> um, oh, my goodness. I hope he's okay. So we'll moving on now here to, um, you know, 
you before we uh, started this podcast, you were flipping through the channels and you saw Rush Hour Two. Yeah, pretty dated movie, right? Talk yeah. about under uh, under uh, under under delivered entertainment. I couldn't even tell you what Rush Hour One how what Rush Hour One was. <laughs> like, it just got me thinking. Like, you know, there's movies out there that. You know, when they came out, especially when we were younger, you know, we, we thought they were awesome. And then you go back and watch them and you're like, ooh, this is, uh, this hasn't really held up over the years. But then there's some that just doesn't matter how much time's gone by, what generation's watching it. It just always delivers. And, you know, I think we all have movies like that on, on, on our list. And I mean, I can't. I can't not think of like the the one that comes to my mind instantly is Shawshank Redemption. Like that movie cool. is, you know, that and like a league of their own, you mm-hmm. know, with Tom Hanks, arguably Tom Hanks' best role in a movie ever. Jimmy Dugan. It's fucking amazing. Uh, but like, and I think what helps those movies is that they're, <laughs> they're period pieces. You know what I mean? Yep. So like, it it's it doesn't really it doesn't really w- w- rely on the current technology or the you know it doesn't date really date itself because it's it's talking about a, a period in time specifically. So, but you know, I, I I mean those two those two are ones that like always deliver for me. Um the grumpy old men and grumpier old men mm. series. Like, and every time they're on, they play them back to back and you can't not watch both. Uh, I just think that they're just classics. You just, they don't make movies like that anymore. They don't, they don't write movies like that anymore. And it's just, it's almost a lost art. You know, you look at, especially today with like this writer strike going on. I know there's been strikes in the past, but it's just, I don't know. I just feel like I feel like that's just a, a it's like a some movies like that are just in a time capsule of sorts, you know, and they're just they're they'll forever be cherished. Um, like you pick it, but you pick any 90s Batman movie and <laughs> you can probably all agree. Uh, yeah, these are these have seen better days. I uh, one that comes to mind. It's funny you mentioned League of, League of Their Own. Pardon me while I grab my, my cord here. Um, the Sandalot. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it kind of it, it kind of fills that vein of, like, League of Their Own. It, it, there's no fancy special effects, and, you know, it's, it's always on, and it's kind of like a you got to watch it. Who doesn't love Wendy Peffer, Peppercorn? Um, but also for me, like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, 90s action was, like, huge. Like... There, you know, we had the Stallones, we had the Schwarzenegger, we had um, Steven Seagal, and like Jean Claude Van Damme. Right. It was like '90s was like the. It was a really good era for action, action movies. Non CGI action. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. No. Like real um, cars flipping. Still. You know. Absolutely. I'm a my one of my guilty pleasures is Steven Seagal, and I love Under Siege. That to yeah. me, like. I don't know if it's a, it's not an award winning, 
it's not winning any Academy Awards. But as far as like nineties, it is here in for um, in forfeit land. <laughs> here, like as far as like nineties movies that like I I can't get enough of. It's like something, and it's not even just like I love Under Siege, but if it's like that Alpha might Trust, be late eighties though. I don't know if that's nineties. Was it? Oh, oh, we are talking. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. I think that's late eighties Under Siege. No, I think there was like ninety two, right? I. I could be wrong. I haven't under siege. Under siege is ninety two. Under siege two is ninety five. S my D, Bill. Yeah. That's <laughs> uh, on that. I'll shut my mouth. <laughs> my, I think my favorite. I've, I think I've got two favorite. I mean, under siege is definitely up there for in, like Seagal specifically, but like, like out for justice, mm. priceless, mm. marked for death, awesome, hard to kill. Amazing. Um, the only Seagal movie here that I see that was done in the eighties was his first one above the law. Mm-hmm. Um, but like hard to kill and mark for death out for justice under siege. Goddamn. What a run. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. After that was like, forget it. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's kind he kind of went and he kind of went awry. I should and, say, you and know, think about that from the nineties perspective, like literally like we had, like you just said, Van Damme, Seagal, Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Bruce Willis. Right? And what do you have now from Mel Gibson? Mel, Mel Gibson, another great one. Good good pull. Like, what else? Tom Cruise. Have? Tom Cruise, I mean, he kind of like dabbles in everything. He's not. He's the not Mission just, Impossibles that he does are, are good. Yeah. They're good. But I, I, I admit, like he's not, he's not strictly like hardcore action. Yeah, right. He's making other dramedy, dramedies and stuff like that. Yeah, ninety percent of his movies don't have like guns and drugs. You know what I mean? Like, or, or he, yeah, he's not shooting guns except for Mission Impossible. But like, right. It's kind of depressing now when you think of like today's movies. Who is like the action star? The action star today is The Rock or. Uh, yeah. Who else? Uh, um, is Keanu Reeves considered an action star? Like, I don't think he is, but Jason, Jason, Statham. Jason Momoa and, uh, yeah, it's like, um, are these, any, any Marvel character, right? Are, but are these guys going to hold up for like 10, 15 years? Like the arms no. and the, the Stallones and, you know, um, you said Mel Gibson, like I was watching lethal weapon the other night, like, we don't have those kind of actors now that are going to make like a 10, 15, 20 year run, you know, Bruce Willis, you know, it's kind of crazy. Like movies have kind of gone into the, that like kind of abyss of like, no, it, there's no action anymore. <laughs> nope. Well, there is, it's just, it's done in a single room in front of a huge like screen. <laughs> and you know, it's, it's starting to show it's ceiling. A little bit, mm-hmm. uh, I think. I think I would like to, you know, I don't know about, I don't know if if they can fully, but I, I'd like to think that you're going to start to see movies start to go back to some of the more traditional methods of creating effects and action. And because there's just, I, I think there's just so, there's only so much you can do. I mean, I don't know. I might be way off. Who am I to say? I mean, but I just feel like where we are with CGI right now, it's like 
I'm not impressed anymore. Yeah. Right. You know, it's like, I'd rather see some guy do his own stunts. Like, like going back to Tom Cruise guy does his own stunts. Like mm-hmm. that's like a noble thing. Sure. Whether you like or hate the guy, like dude earned his check. You yeah. know, like uh, I just, yeah, I mean, even the guys same, like the rock, like they're not doing their own stunts, you know, they're no. worth, you know, well, like, like Arnold and sly, like they were doing their own shit for the most part, mm-hmm. for the most part. And, and CGI too, Matt, on that point, like it makes up for bad story or not a story at all. Yes. You know, it's like, check out avatar. Avatar is all in, th- you know, whatever it is, CGI three, what all that shit. And it's like, what the fuck is it? Avatar? Like, I don't it's, even know what the fuck it is. You know what I mean? It's, like it's yeah, it's um, like our, like our one uh, former creative director used to say it's, it's design masturbation. Yeah. You know, it's like a bunch of a bunch of the 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 newest and most talented 3D artists flexing their muscles. Right. You know, does it make sense? Does it connect to a plot? No, but we can make seven of them. Maybe, but yeah, but we can make things look really pretty. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I, I just I don't know. I'm at the point probably getting old. Right. I mean, we know that. That's never going to change, but it just doesn't, it just doesn't impress me. No. And even like the Marvel movies and the comic book movies, like I know total some, fatigue. I am in total fatigue of those movies. It's, it's just a different story mass than a different sort of CGI and it with a different actor. Yep. You know, it's, it's, it's all it is. It's like you could take Spider-Man and Hulk and flash and all those ones that I don't even, I never even watched and kind of throw them in, a bowl and you could pick one out and you can kind of be like, well, it's the same story. It's just the guys in green. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's kind of sad for movies because, you know, they're supposed to be, you know, really, you know, we, we talk, we, we, we just talked, we're talking about the nineties and the ones that really still hold up. Right. Yeah. Think about movies today and like what ones today would really hold up 20 years from now. There's not many. There really isn't. Mm hmm. I can't think probably of, be com- it would probably be a comedy. I can't think of something that I've seen in the last 10 years that was like, wow, in 20 years when this is on TV, I'm going to have to watch it. Yeah. And maybe it's just my taste. I don't know. Like, I, you know, I like a stepbrothers. We like, we like semi pro. We like Will Ferrell movies. Like Will Ferrell movies in 20 years from now are still going to be fantastic because of the mm-hmm. comedy aspect and the idea. There was an idea there and exactly. it was, a somewhat original idea. Yep. Mm-hmm. As corny or as dumb or as immature as that is, it, it, you remember it like, mm-hmm. like, like the Chris Farley films, like the John Candy films. It's, it's a goofy guy, you know, and he's doing dumb things that you'll just, for whatever reason, Drive down this road, you'll see something, and it'll just remind you of that dumb thing. I mean, I highly doubt that like you'll drive down the road and see something, and it'll remind you of that one scene in in the Avengers Endgame. <laughs> you know, like no, 
and and uh-huh. that as a as a horror buff as you are, mm. I don't watch a ton of horror stuff. But even mm-hmm. watching, and we don't see a lot of. That's another thing we can talk about too. We don't see a lot of trailers for movies anymore, Mm-mm. which is crazy. You used to see them all the time, especially in the summertime. But horror movies have kind of gone gone south. Like you know, they just remade Scream again. Like I know, <laughs> you know, it's like I haven't. Did I go and see? See, this is terrible. I don't even remember if I saw the latest one. Uh, did I see the latest one? No, I didn't see the latest one yet. Um, but I mean, the Scream franchise, like for what it is, especially like the first like three. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoy them. But I mean, I you know, remember Blair Witch? Yeah, like when Blair Witch came out, like that was like everyone had to go see it. it was like. It was all filmed in VHS cameras and through the woods. It's like mm-hmm. everyone like was like a cult classic. Like mm-hmm. everyone, you know, whether well, it was a one and done. Like exactly. Did you, you go back and watch? Like, did you watch Blair Witch again? Like mm-hmm. I haven't. The only time I ever watched Blair Witch was when I went to see it the one time in the movie theater. Right. But you look at a horror uh, series or franchise like Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the Thirteenth, um. Halloween, obviously, uh, you know, even t- like Texas Chainsaw, it's like there's something about it. There's a there's a character. There's a there's a there's character development that people, for <laughs> some twisted way, they connect to it. it. Whether it's the villain or it's the people that are being chased or tortured or whatever, there's some. There's something about it that people are gravitated to that they will go back and watch that. The you know they'll they'll watch the series over and over again. Um, yeah. And you know it's it's the reason why Halloween gets played you know to nauseum around every every October. It's just there's something about it the way those movies act and also the way that those movies were shot too. I mean, and that's the one thing you can say about Blair Witch, like, but I think it was like a one trick pony type of approach. Whereas, you know, I think, um, the way, if you really look and dissect some of those classic horror movies, even the real, like older, like real classic, um, uh, uh, monster movies, like those were artfully like, uh, documented and shot. I mean, there's, there's some beautiful scenes within those movies. So it just, um, there's something mesmerizing about them. And, uh, you know, like if as far as like thrillers are concerned today, I think yeah. that like someone who does now it's not horror, but like a lot of M night Shyamalan movies mm-hmm. recently, like that thriller aspect, like mm-hmm. I think his movies, uh, will, will, I, they'll still. It's not all out uh, horror, but it's a th- like you said. It's like a suspense thriller. Yeah. Um, yeah. But past him, like I'm not sure. I, I know the the um, Jordan Peele did the um, what was it out or no, there, he did Nope. He did Get Out. He did. Uh, he a, I haven't I haven't I haven't sat through those from start to finish. I saw the one where where they are they're like at the beach and shit. Like I saw oh, that old, old. That's that's um, that's M Night though. Isn't M Night, yeah, yeah. I I think I think his stuff will still hold up, but like 
again, like any, it's kind of depressing. You think about like all the movies you've seen in the last like 15 years, there's not, there's not a lot that you're like, all right, it's going to hold up, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a big, it's a big, um, a big question mark in the movie industry. Yeah. Like you're saying CGI, everyone kind of leans into that CGI, CGI, you know? Yeah. It, it, um, it puts a bandaid over a lot of stuff. And I think too, like documentaries have been really with the Netflix, Netflix, who lose of the world, like vice. Like I think a lot of the, the documentaries have really risen to the top of, of, certain things like I remember the fire festival documentary. We talked about all the wrestling ones that we've all watched. Oh um, yeah. Dark side of the ring. Great. Yeah. Love them. Like so, sometimes like those are, you know, those are just enough, you know? Absolutely. And also these, t- these, these, these TV series. I mean, they're just, they are mini movies every episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. It's just it's killing. Dark. It's just killing the motion picture business. Yeah. Just completely, completely. Well, one more topic I want to get to, and it's part of a thing that we kind of want to start teasing into these episodes and we'll do a full episode. We just have to figure it out. Right. But we keep saying we want to like talk some, some, some wrestling, um, whether it be, you know, the, the, the old school days, the, the, or the new school stuff, but you know me, I'm more of an old school guy. I'm more like old WWF golden. The golden era um, is really where, where it's at for me. Um, I also like watching some of the, like the really old early stuff. Um, not so much for the, the technique and the, and the, and the actual like wrestling that's going on, but more so like we talk character development. It's like, you know, I love seeing where these guys got their start um, in these smaller markets before, you know, the WWFs came uh, of the world came along and, and bought everyone up and started, um, you know, evolving other, uh, some of the bigger guys and really launching their careers in different paths. So I like watching, like going back to like some of the old, like seventies, you know, local territory stuff and, and, and see like what, you know, uh, Rick Martell was the, uh, how he got his start and the random stuff like that. But, you know, I, I'm not a huge, uh, I kind of fell off of wrestling in wrestling after the golden, the golden era, like the whole attitude NWO era. I remember it. I thought it was cool, but I was really just, there was something about it. that just didn't connect with me. Mm-hmm. And I kind of just started falling out of wrestling then. But I got to say, I was, watching uh one of the WrestleMania rewinds on on the the WWE channel and I like how they, they like you said it's almost like a mini documentary that they that they that they pick for specific matches within different WrestleManias and the one that I never got to see and it'll probably shock you because you know I'm a big Hogan guy but like I was never a Hollywood Hogan guy because I was out of wrestling then. Mm-hmm. And like, I was always like, yeah, that's not Hulk Hogan to me. Like, sorry. Yep. Like it's never a heel. It's yeah. It just never, it just never appealed to me, you know? And, and looking back at a, a lot of that in hindsight, you could tell that like everyone wanted them to turn kind of turn. Like they were, they were kind of like, okay, we'll, we'll let you 
get this out of your system, knowing that probably eventually you'll go back to the yellow and red and re- and 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 go back to the you know the Hulkamania stuff, which he ultimately did. But the match that he did against The Rock, I never, I had never seen it. WrestleMania 18, I believe it was. Uh, wow, like. For someone who wasn't into wrestling so much in that era, like, and I kind of, I'm kind of curious to go back now and so like I did for like a lot of the guys in the seventies, I'd like to go back and see how the rock came up, you know, because I think it would be interesting to see how he got his, uh, you know, how he started out being, what was his name before he, he changed to the rock, Rocky, something. Rocky Maivia. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and like, I feel like, you know, a lot, a lot of people listening to this probably be like, I can't believe he doesn't know this shit, but (laughs) I just wasn't into, I just wasn't, I just didn't appeal to me at that time. Like I knew that I knew who the rock was. I knew who Goldberg was. I knew who stone cold was, you know, and I, I thought they were all, they seemed awesome. I just wasn't into it. I just wasn't following it. So, uh, but that match, I watched it. Um, what a great match. Like it had everything. It had like drama. It had, you know, classic wrestling. Mo- it, it was like the old, the old bear against the new cub sort of thing, you know, it's like and the passing of the torch. It was literally the passing of, the, and it was done so tasteful. I felt, and it really was just, I think, I think it was what Hogan needed at that time too, to kind of, because he was, coming back from WCW and they just, just got a acquired and everything. And I think it was just kind of, it was probably part of a make good in a way with Vince and everything. I'm sure. But I don't know. I was, I was quite entertained. It was such a great match. And I was thinking to myself, man, I can't believe I never watched this. Like, I can't believe like it's 2023 and I'm just getting around to even like watching this match. It was great. Mm-hmm. Great match. Well, I mean, I, th- I think the thing with The Rock was, especially the Attitude Era, right? Like, they were, yeah. it was great. It was just great mic work. Like, people yeah. forget that, yeah, wrestlers are athletes, and there's definitely a performance ath- athletic part of it. Which I think but, there's too much of that now. Y- yeah, I think people try to lean into that and not into the character development and mm-hmm. on top of the, the wrestling ability. But... Yeah, the Rock was uh, um, on the mic. He was a master. He was a master. He was. Um, he he captivated you. Stone Cold Steel also was the same thing. Um, and I think even Hulk Hogan in the beginning, um, he was you know, we all remember the eat your vitamins. You know, say your prayers. Train, say your prayers. Yep. Yeah, like like that line. You know, we'll, we'll never forget that. Nope. Um, so in the infancy of him, and obviously you can't go without saying like Ric Flair as well mm-hmm. on the mic. Macho man. Yeah. Th- those guys were, were really setting the bar for, for what, what really like the wrestling entertainment was. Um, and, and I think that's, I think that's what's missing today. I think you're exactly right. Like you, how many times do you want to see a guy like Roman Reigns who you may not familiar with, but like hold the belt for like, you know, years. It's like, He's not good on the mic. His, his shtick is 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 weird, and it it you know I, ten years from now does it hold up in wrestling 
the the annals of annals annals the, the wrestling annals. We'll accept both. <laughs> um, you know, of history, I don't know, but Hulk Hogan's, you know, the legend's never going to die there, right? Hulk Hogan is going to pass away and it's going to be terrible, but like he's going to be a legend. Ric Flair, same thing. The Rock, same thing. And, you know, those guys were just, there's, you're never going to be able to emulate someone like that. And I think that's what wrestling kind of does now. They're trying to find the next Hulk Hogan. They find the next Rock. And instead, I want to find the next ex wrestler. You know what I mean? Insert whoever that that sort of uh, persona is. And, I don't know who it is. I don't know who it's going to be, but wrestling right now is, is, is similar to, I think like movies. They're, they're kind of just like, it's very bland. It, it really, the only thing that's happening in wrestling right it's now, like churn I, and burn. Yeah. Like, like wrestling right now is, is um, it, it's, it's got more competition. So people are trying new things, but it's, it, you know, I think, not that they need to bring back the attitude era, but they need to do something to, to really make wrestling exciting again. And it's not bringing out Hulk Hogan or Ric Flair to fight when they're 90 years old. It's really, it's really character development and people really taking over, um, WWE, AEW and really like kind of overhauling it, in my opinion. But I don't know. I pontificated there about wrestling for a second. No, it's good. I mean, I think, I think we're warming the engines for a, a, an entire episode full of wrestling. We just need to dial in like what the topic or topics could be. Um, Maybe we bring in some guests Mm. just saying, maybe it's a part multi-part, you know, a series of episodes that we do. Who knows? The sky's the limit. The sky's the limit. Uh, Stay tuned. Be sure to check us out on the social media interwebs at 4FitPod. For myself, Metal Matt, Big John Stud, Wild Bill, sleep tight, bud. Everyone be good. Go Birds. <laughs>